0: We're going to celebrate in God's word. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but just I want to thank you guys. Really getting us in that place that our hearts are right. Uh, The song selection, where we're going. I really feel like God is just going to do something special in all of our hearts and our minds and our lives today. But just real quickly, before we begin, have we had anyone who has served in the military here today? Anyone? Okay, stand on up. Stand on up. Stand up. Yeah! Yeah! Someone give him a hug. Kurt, give him a hug. There you go. Good job. All going right, gotta hurt him. Good. That's the beauty of the plant. Um, a couple things real quickly. Um, just two announcements. We will be doing a missions trip to Massachusetts, and it is in August. If anyone is interested in doing, it, it's really a family missions trip. A way to go out and uh, as a family to go serve. You don't have to be, you know, go with your family, but it's for kind of people of all ages, 10 and up. If you want more information, please talk to Susie Wilson in the back. Okay, Susie Wilson in the back. And um, that is August 1st through August 10th. All the details are up there. Um, You'll have more. Second is that we have an amazing opportunity as a church. One of the things that we as the plant began, and for some of you don't know, that we started with a very, very small group of people. Um, We started with 28 people, and um, we just said we want to really figure out how God has called us to love a community, because that's what Jesus did. God stepped down from heaven to earth to minister in our context. And that's all Jesus did. He went from community, 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 community. And then when he went to heaven, he went to his disciples and he said, go do the same thing. And so when we came to Mawa, we said, let's learn to love the community of Mawa," And we know that in Mawa, that just like in every other community, that there needs to be opportunities for children to have a space, a place to to play, to love, to grow, uh, and just to hang out together. So the last week of June, June 23rd, through 28th, I think those are the right dates, I know the 23rd is the right Monday, whatever that week is, we're going to be doing something called Adventure Camp. So there's, there's um, Jeremy and Jody, they posed for us, and so they're our superheroes, um, and then I drew them, I drew them, all right? And um, what we are doing is, for years, if you live in the community of Mawa and have kids, you know that they've had something called Rec Camp, right? Rec Camp. Rec camp, a good portion of the community goes to in the morning. So we called Dawn DePuzzle, who's a friend of mine, and we told them that we want to do uh, really like a, a week long day camp for kids. And she said, Great. Why don't you do it right after we do this in the afternoon? So I'm like, Okay, cool. So they really have come alongside us in many ways and partnered with us because there's a lot of working parents. And there's not only a lot of working parents, but that that first week of summer is that weird transitional week for every parent, right? Amen, right? You're like, what are we going to do? I'm going to kill them all. So let's send them to Bible camp. Um, So what we're going to do is that first week, there will be rec camp in the morning for the kids of of Mawa. But for all of our kids, whether you're from the plants or another town or from Mawa, we're going to be doing a one week of adventure camp. It's going to be all based on superheroes, different things like that. I think Jeremy's coming as Spider-Man. Omar's coming as Aquaman. No. (laughs) But in this, it's going to be a great week. And it's not just going to be a week of fun. It's going to be able to help them really see um, God's superheroes throughout Scripture. It's going to be a blast. It's an amazing opportunity. Uh, Very rarely do you see churches and towns partner together together for the betterment of their community what a great privilege that is and so for us is there's going to be ways for you to volunteer uh if you have kids going into pre-k through fifth grade go online send, sign them up there are already people signing up online um and so it's going to be a great great week okay so before we get into the word let me stop let me pray As you can tell, I'm a little jacked up. I haven't really had any coffee. I'm just really excited to be here with you all. Jesus, it is always good to be with those you love deeply. And not only those you love deeply, but those who you have called to serve alongside. And so God, right now, I ask you, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, the same presence that was there at creation that hovered the universe, would be with us this morning. That God, just as we feel that little breeze from the air conditioner, that, that in our souls we would, we would feel the breeze of God breathing into us life everlasting. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Every single Sunday is a little bit different as a preacher. You know, there's times when you're teaching there's times when you're preaching, there's times when you're exhorting, there's times when you're encouraging. And as a preacher, every sermon should have some kind of twist to it, right? Every sermon should lead the congregation exactly where the congregation is. And so for the last few weeks, Jeremy uh, has been talking about sanctification. What does it mean to be separated to God? Let me throw a little word in there. Really separated for God. What does that mean? And so for the last couple of weeks, Jeremy has been teaching on this whole idea of being separated to God and away from sin. Away from those things that distract us, confuse us, blind us from knowing our identity in Christ. You see, there's four things that we know about the gospel. The gospel is who? Jesus. What's the gospel? What's the gospel? Jesus. The good news of who? Jesus. Come on, just say Jesus. The gospel is the good news of who? Jesus. And Jesus, in Scripture, we see four things. I'm going to wake you up this morning. I'm throwing water all over the place. He is our Savior. He is the one who came down from heaven. we just saying that. He came down to heaven, from heaven, that he would mirror the relationship that humanity had in the beginning of the garden. You see, that's what he did for us. He mirrored the relationship between humanity and God. And the only reason that Jesus came to earth, the only reason, was to show us the intimacy that God, our Abba, our Daddy, our Father, wants to have with all humanity. He's our Savior. We also know that Jesus is our healer. That even in the midst of a broken, sinful, disease-filled world, that Jesus still heals. Remember we talked about this two weeks ago when we talked about Sue Scherer? With her little boy who's been basically had some kind of medical condition since he was born. He was supposed to have surgery two two weeks ago. And Sue called me up and said, I'm not in for surgery. We're playing in our basement today. Praise God. Praise God. And we don't like thinking of that because in our enlightenment, in our Western world view, the way that we are conditioned intellectually. It's hard for us to wrap our head around that Jesus is our healer. But even in this place, there's a tension of sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't, but if he doesn't, that means he never will? No. That's just the brokenness of this world. We also know in Scripture and Revelations, the whole reason the book of Revelations was written was to talk about Jesus, our coming King. That In Christ, through Christ, by Christ, only in Christ, we have the opportunity to have eternity. That's a hope we have. That's a future hope as we look forward. And so all the book of Revelations, from from the first verse all the way through 21, is preparing the church for Christ's return. And it's interesting because that's what Jesus said all along. I'll be with you again. You'll be with me. But there's one other thing that Jesus is. Because oftentimes when we think about Jesus, we think about future hope, future anticipation, future transformation, right? A lot of the the idea of church is that when I get to heaven, I will be a new what? Creation. Creation that I'm going to be giving a new body, a new mind, a new everything that I hate about myself in the mirror, that it's going to be perfect. That's that future anticipation. But you see, that's not the gospel. That's a portion of the gospel. It's like a a pie of pizza. Every Friday night, we, we do pizza at the Parker's. Love pizza. That's the best thing about New Jersey, right? Pizza and bagels. And it's a piece of that pie. It's a piece of that that delicious meal that that He is our coming King. He is our healer. He is our our Savior. But one of the things that Jeremy has pushed on, and today I'm just going to wrap it up and and just be your coach, that I'm going to charge you today, the most exciting part of being a follower of Jesus is the present reality of knowing Jesus now, here on earth, in the midst of trials and temptations and pains and sufferings. And there's times that, that we always almost look to Sunday. Like, I've had many people say, like, I, I just, I love listening to you on Sunday, but by Wednesday, I'm kind of struggling. And, and in some ways, I think some people kind of hang on the, on the faith of the minister, right? You kind of hang on, like, okay, Rob better be good today, or else. What? You're not going to give offering? That's between you and God. It's not between me and you. Like, we almost kind of hang on the lives of others. It's almost like we watch a basketball game and we live through LeBron James. We live through these great athletes that, that for those two hours and 30 minutes as we watch basketball or football or, or, or hockey, that we, that we watch these superstars living in their fullness. And once it's over, it's like life goes back to normal. See, God did not separate us for Sunday. He did not separate us to, to live on these highs almost like like a like a hit of weed getting trash it's like he didn't save us that we have these little moments in our lives throughout our week that you know we we smoke a little jesus and then we go back to life well that sounds really uncomfortable but isn't that what we do at church right we do that with hopefully josh is going to get us going and then here comes rob ooh, ooh. what's he going to do is he going to cry is he going to cry is he going to cry what's rob going to do no one wonders that? I freaked the church out last week by crying, so it's, it's good. They got, a little, they got a little plant flavor. But, but literally, that's kind of how we live, right? We live on this. And then we determine, like, did I have a really bad week? I had such a bad week, I can't go to the plant. <laughs> that's when you're supposed to go. Right? Amen. Who gave me a little amen? Yeah, there you go. Ow! But that's what it's like. And we let our moments of our false. Identity. Listen to that. That's all sanctification is. It's a shifting of identity. It's a shifting of understanding that I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner saved by grace. But you know what I am in the eyes of God? And I step down because I humbly say this. I'm a saint who sins. I'm a saint who In the eyes of my Father that will still mess up and still make mistakes, but I'm no longer looked at away from Him, but I'm found in Him. He is my Abba. He is my Father. And that my identity went from being far from Him to being His child. Praise God from all whom blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures, here below. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Because in Jesus, we have salvation. Not just for eternity, but more that it begins today. That's a long intro, isn't it? So turn with me in, my, in your Bibles to John chapter 1. And here's what we're going to do this morning. We are going to talk about the reality and the experience that you are supposed to continually have every single day. Listen to the words in John chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, it's up here on the screen. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, listen to the words of John the Baptist, Look, The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am. For he existed long before me. What is John pointing at? You see, John and Jesus were the same age. But John had recognized that Jesus is God's Son. The Messiah that was sent from heaven to finish the proclamation that John had began. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have, I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one. You see, at first, John did not know that it was Jesus until he baptized him. But when God sent me to baptize with water god told me the one on whom you see the spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the holy spirit i saw this happening to jesus so i testify that he is the chosen one of god you see according to john chapter 1 verse 29 through 33 we usually don't look at it this way jesus brought Salvation. That's what John said. Look. The Savior. The Zoe of the world. But it wasn't just a future salvation. He says, He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You see, being Messiah brought eternity. The baptism brings eternity sanctification, eternal life here on earth. You see, when people are baptized, they're standing up in front of a group of people and they stand up and they, and they, and they proclaim their faith. They proclaim that, you know what, I don't, I don't want to be Rob Parker anymore. I don't want to be the old Rob Parker that people had known about. The wild, the crazy, the, 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 the messed up dude. I want Jesus to be my identity. And so you go to the waters of baptism and you go down and you come back up and it's, and it's a sign and a symbol to the community and to God that, that I'm no longer myself, but I'm his. Baptism does not save, but baptism is the signifier of who we are in Christ. Do you hear that? It doesn't save us. It's the signpost that I'm no longer who I was. But then John talks about this baptism with the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes when we think about baptism with the Holy Spirit, if you're from church, you're thinking, oh no, what's he going to do? Start speaking in tongues, rolling around the ground, what's going to happen? Baptism of the Holy Spirit simply means this, that if you confess with your mouth and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord, who lives in you? The Holy Spirit. And so when we proclaim who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit indwells us And He immerses us and He fills us to bring eternal life to the present. And that's why when you walk with Jesus, you start seeing the shifts that happen continuously in your life. You see, if you've been walking with Jesus for the last, for the first year walking with Jesus is a high. Everything about Jesus excites you. Second year, you're still on this high, and then all of a sudden you start, you start walking and, and things start kind of rubbing you. But, but as you look back, you're like, I'm not that person. I handle conflict different. I don't run to the vices as I did. Instead of hatred, I start seeing love. I mean, if I was to ask Allison Pierce like who she was and who she is today, she probably would do her Allison chuckle. ha! <laughs> I'm not the same person, right? She just did it. She'd say, I'm different. I'm different. Jeff Cooper calls me every year eight on the same day and says, today was the day we prayed together. And Jeff's different. Does the old Jeff pop up every once in a while? Yes. Yeah, so does the old Rob. But is he the same individual as he was? No, he had an identity shift because God's presence the Holy Spirit became alive and new in Him. You see, oftentimes we we like to look at Scripture as truth, God's truth, God's holy word. I like to look at Scripture as, yes, God's truth in all its reality and all its experience. Because when you look at the Gospel stories, the Gospel narratives, the passages where you you study the life of Peter and Paul and John, you see this transformation that has happened to them. Realities of, of this identity shift that has taken place in their soul. That who they were Peter, Simon, the, the emotional wreck that, that at one minute was telling Jesus how much he loved him, and the next minute he's, he, he's, he's doing the complete opposite. And then all of a sudden, five, ten years later, what is he doing? He is the rock. He became the foundation of where the church was going. You look at Peter, who was Saul, who went from, from killing Christians to loving his enemies as himself. You see, when we read about these passages in the Bible and these stories, whether it be the Old Testament or the New, that is our hope, that is our anticipation of what Jesus is doing and wants to do and can do in our lives through the process of salvation identified as sanctification. Amen? Amen. If anyone gets a little excited, you can say amen for me. But think about that. Oftentimes, we want to live through the lens and the lives and the stories of others. I really hope Rob has a really good week this week because I need something good for myself. It's like watching 24 or Homeland. Like, like I really hope Brody really, I hope this is a good episode. Instead of looking at the scriptures and seeing like, God wants me to part the seas for those who are living in captivity Captivity God wants me to, to bring forgiveness where hardness and bitterness and anger has dwelt? Yes. And so there's these realities and, and experiences that are truths that were told in Scripture, that today are yours. If you are a follower of Jesus, these are yours. But for something in you, you do not get it. Rightfully so. It's like like a coach. When you have a coach that just beats you down and beats you down and and thinks that that ripping you apart is going to bring out the best in you, usually you get worse. But what about that coach in your life who comes along and, aside, aside, alongside you and says, I see something special in you that no one else sees. And I'm going to coach you through to a life of excellence. And that's oftentimes how we look at church. We have these coaches that just, that just beat the pulp out of us. Can't you get it by now? Grow up. But then we look at Scripture, the Holy Spirit, and who shepherds are supposed to be is, you're not doing it because you don't believe it. Do you realize that? We are what we believe. We are what we think. And I want to run through some realities of Scripture. Two realities and two experiences that all of us, as followers of Jesus, are supposed to have. They're up here, and I have the scriptures I want to read. Deliverance from the penalty of sin and the deliverance from the power of sin. Let me read this passage to you. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. You see, the reality that we like to hold on to is that we have a deliverance from the penalty of sin, which is what? Death. That no longer, that no matter what happens, I am signed, sealed, and delivered for eternity. But you know what most people want to know? They want to know the deliverance from the power of sin. That the things that have defined you for so long is broken, is separated. That's sanctification salvation is part one sanctification is believing that no longer do you have to live in that prison of your soul that has brought you to investigate faith that's the reality not just the first but just as important if not more the second two freedom from death and freedom to live the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy my purpose jesus says is to give them a rich and satisfying life how many you feel like you have a rich and satisfying life how many how many of us really walk in that Abundance, not, not of our earthly goods, but in our heavenly presence. That in all things, I know God is with me. Next, release from the guilt of the past and empowered to overcome temptations of the future. For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. Do we really live in this place of released guilt? Or do we carry around the burdens of the sins and mistakes that we've committed? I mean, think about this. The things we have committed, do we really feel by the power of God that we are released from? from those things that because of jesus he forgives all of our sin he forgives all of our mistake but we are empowered to overcome temptations of the future i was talking to a buddy of mine on friday and he's really struggled his whole life even as a christian he struggled with addictions he has victory and then he's back on alcoholism. He has victory then he's back on drugs and he has victory and he's and he's back on this and and his whole life has been this roller coaster and all of a sudden he just gave it all to Jesus. And when I talked to him on Friday, he's like, "You know what? I've moved past my guilt because what I've realized is that I need more of Jesus." And he's learning to overcome the temptations. Do you know why he was giving into those temptations? Because of the guilt and his identity in his past. Do you realize that? When you recognize yourself as a sinner, as a loser, as a mess up, as a screw up, as dirty, as shameful is not transformed, what do you think you're going to do? You're going to go back into those old patterns. But when you recognize that Jesus is transforming you, you have the, you have the power to say no to sin and death. And you know what I said to my buddy Bobby? I said, Bob, and the best thing that Bob said to you is, he goes, you know what? I still have temptations, but I don't give in to them. I said, Bob, I still have temptations. And I'm always learning not to give in to him. Does that mean I'm perfect? Ask my wifey. Far from it. But does that mean that my crazy life went from chaotic to focused? And in this broken world that I still journey, knowing that he is the one who's overcome. And he in my identity overcomes the power and temptation of sin and death. Amen? men. Christ's righteousness is imputed to us. Christ's righteousness is manifested in us. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because our faith, Christ, has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. God is the only one who draws us to follow him. Christ's righteousness indwells us. But do we allow our righteousness in him to drive us? To drive us. Jesus lives in us. And Jesus lives through us. Galatians 2, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Not only does he live in me, not this little action figure Jesus, but his presence lives through me. I am not the same, Rob. Whenever I share stories of my past, I tell them to celebrate Christ in me. Not Rob the hope of glory, but Christ the hope of glory. It's funny when... um, Going through my doctorate that I just received, there was stages that we had to kind of pass. And if you didn't pass, you, you couldn't move on to the next one. And, and the first reader was the most important reader because my reader was kind of like the reader that no one wanted. Uh, he actually has become a mentor of mine. And someone just told me, if you get through Phil, it's downhill. And Phil was my main advisor And so Phil used to just beat me up. Just, hey, you got to tighten it, tighten it, tighten it. Think outside your box. He says, it's not about word selection. It's how you use it. Never thought of it that way. Oftentimes we try to wow people with big words, right? And people are like, yeah, I don't even know what you're saying. But when I passed my first reader, I bawled. I bawled. And she walked in the room and she finds me bawling. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm just so happy. I didn't do it like that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just so overwhelmed. Because my guidance counselor, my senior, no, my sophomore year said, you're going to, you're going to community college. Not that community college is bad because that's where I started. He says, you can't make it. And then two weeks before high school graduation, he says, you're not going to graduate unless you do these things. In the summer before my sophomore year, I went to summer school. And my whole life, I was told I was stupid. My whole life. Rob's an athlete. He'll dunk on anyone. But don't get him in that classroom. And when I passed, I knew that it was God, not Rob. It was God who did that in me. That any glory, any fame, any, any good job and you know the hood and the crazy hat and the, the plaque in my office, I look up there and I see that's Jesus. That's Jesus manifesting His presence in me. Because in this journey of life, we just follow where He goes, and in obedience it's, it's God, this church planning thing's crazy. Go learn, step into it. God. Things are difficult, step into it. God, I just, I, I just kind of want to run away to Vermont and just kind of like just kind of like, let no one see what I'm going to do. Don't do it. All these things, right? Haven't we all had these kind of thoughts, right? Dads, when you're freaking out, work's going crazy, you're overstressed, you, you're, your kids aren't listening to you, you're just like, I just need to go on vacation by myself. Well, what, what about me, your wife? No, I just need to get away. Has nothing to do with you. I've never told you that. But anyways... But it's this idea that, and Jesus is like, don't run, don't run, stay in it, stay in it, stay in it, stay in it, stay in it. And all of a sudden, Jesus manifests himself through you. Salvation is in you, sanctification is through you. Praise God. I look at addictions. I look at all these different things in my life that I've had that all I've said is, and this, I can't tell other people's story. I have to tell mine. That I sat in it and said, God, I'm not going to give into that stuff. I'm not going to give into those temptations. I'm not going to give into those things that are going to ruin me. And he says, just hold on, hold on. And he pulls me through the storm through trials and and, and things with kids with with sicknesses and illnesses that the time you just want to throw your hands up and scream at God he's like just stay in it stay in it let my power be made present I remember one time we were going to bring one of our kids I think it was Benjamin to the the hospital because he just had one of those things that came over him we're like he's got to go to the hospital now and little Becky laid his hands on him and prayed over him and he was healed I'm like Jesus we have to become like little children. You see, that is the hope that we profess. Not eternity for the future, but eternity now. I mean, think of it this way. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget about a lot of my notes. Think of it this way. You are planning to meet Jesus Today the way you live and the way that you choose to allow God's Spirit to manifest and live in your life through trials and temptations, through victory and defeat, all along, all you're doing is you are preparing to see Jesus. And it was about eight years ago when God gave me this vision. I said, Jesus, when I go to heaven, I want to recognize you. I don't want to recognize the pictures on the walls that we see about Jesus, and, and we all kind of like draw Jesus the way that we want. I want to, when I step into heaven, I want my heart and your heart to just connect. I want to know that, that, that if I see Peter and John and all these different guys, that, that I'm like, that's not him, that's not him, that's not him. That's my Savior that's the one that I had given my life for. And so every day I went on this journey and I've been on this journey that I want to live my life that is not perfect, but I want to live my life that I'm preparing to see my king. Imagine that. Imagine if we had this identity shift of all these realities and experiences that we're supposed to have, what our lives would be not become, would be. Because our identity drives everything. Sue knows I love her. And so much of our relationship is driven by the identity we have as husband and wife. Does that mean we fight? Of course we do. We're passionate people. Sue is just as passionate as I am. You get two passionate people, you love hard and you fight hard. But we know as in our identity as husband and wife that she's in it. I'm in it. No matter what happens, hell or high water, she's in it. And I'm in it. You see, our identity is what allows, understanding our identity allows for the power of sanctification to do its work. When I was in college, I'm going to wrap it up with this. I'll save the rest of the message for another week. When I was in college, um, I I went to secular school and then I went to a Christian school. And um, they were doing a chapel. And uh, my grandfather was uh, a minister. And many of you know my story that I was not minister material for a long, long time. Believe it at that. And I loved my pop-up. Loved him. My pup-up lived a very short life. But he lived a really well-lived life. He was not just a minister. He was also an American Indian missionary. And so I always wondered, like, God, why did you take pup-up? Like, why? Like, I I was one of the the one sons that never got to do that that, that pup-up grandma trip with just the two of them down to Long Beach Island and go crabbing with them. Matter of fact, my pup-up died that week that he took my brother down to Long Beach Island. He had a stroke and they went to the hospital. So that was my my brother's pop-up experience. And I remember that, you know, as a little kid, like, why pop-up? Why not someone else? What about that jerk? What about that jerk? Like, he's a jerk pop-up. Like, right? Isn't that how you think? Seriously. And I don't even mean that meanly. It's just like, you know, why the good ones? You know, maybe Billy Joel did get it right. Maybe he did. Maybe only the good die young. I don't know. And I remember sitting in this chapel. And it was this wordless message. This guy was doing like this pottery thing. And there was music on the back. And he was making this vase and he broke it. And he made it and he broke it. And every time, you know, college kids are just a bunch of knuckleheads. So every time they broke it, what do they say? Ooh, you know, just being dumb. And then all of a sudden, he made this beautiful vase and he just walked away and there was a light just by chance that was shiny on it. And you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? No, I wasn't thinking of pop-up. I was in college. I, I just woke up like five minutes before chapel. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's who I was. And the Holy, and the Holy Spirit said to me, that's what I did with pop-up. When he lived it out, and when he was finished, I was ready to take him home. Imagine if we lived that life. That God, if you take me at 30, let me live it all. If you wanna take me at 90, make sure I live it all. If I live till I'm 70, let me live the well-lived life. So when you're done, when you're done, take me to paradise. Because you know what my pup-up did? The moment he passed, he saw his Jesus. You see, that's sanctification. That's simplifying it. Yes, we are separated from sin and to God, but this idea of sanctification is that, come on, guys, hands in. Let's do this. Let's rock this world. Let's live this well-lived life. Let's allow the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit to do imaginably more than we could ever think or express That's Scripture. That's the life and the sanctification process that Jesus invites us to. It's like Memorial Day. We remember those who have gone before us who give us the freedom for this country What about the men and women of our faith that have gone before us all throughout history? Peter, Paul, John, all these guys, John Wesley, A.B. Simpson, all these guys, Heidi Baker, all these women that have gone before us and say, Live the well lived life. That's my encouragement, my challenge to you. Stop living in your false identity. Stop living in the brokenness of who you view yourself as and begin to see yourself and who Jesus has created you not to become, but to be. Becoming is about you. Being is about God. Does this make sense? All right? Cool. So here's what we're gonna do is like, what a great day to go to communion. Like seriously, like what a great day to come to the Lord's table. It is a day for us to come to the Lord's table and that we take that bread and we put it in that cup and saying, Jesus, you do your work. And all Jesus is saying is saying then sit right where you're at and eat the identity that I've given you. Amen? Amen.